25, verse 1. Had a lot I had to tell you today. But now I want you to, I want you to kind of settle in. And I want you to hear this for a few minutes. This verse 1 says that everyone who trusts the Lord is like Mount Zion. Mount Zion and Jerusalem are interchangeable. When you see them, it's the base of the same thing. Jerusalem sits on top of a mountain in, in a lot of big, there's a lot of big mountains around that area. So he says, everyone that trusts the Lord is like Mount Zion, which is, is um, figuratively um, and spiritually known as a stronghold, a spiritual stronghold because of God's hand being on that, <clears throat> that being the city that he has chosen um, through David. Everyone who trusts the Lord is like Mount Zion that cannot be shaken and will stand forever. Just as Jerusalem, there it is, Mount Zion and Jerusalem. Just as Jerusalem is protected by mountains on every side, the Lord protects his people by holding them in his arms now and forever. And he won't let the wicked rule his people or lead them to do wrong. Now these verses right here contain three promises that are for any person who trusts in the Lord. Well, what does trust mean? Let's talk about that very quickly. Trust means this, because you have to know, am I, do I qualify? If you trust in the Lord, you qualify for these verses, and trust means this. People who confide in God and people who have put their confidence in God. If your confidence is in God and if you confide in God or God has become your friend, then these verses are for you. You are a person who has confided in God, who confides in God, who has confidence in God, it means you are a person who trusts in the Lord. And if you trust in the Lord, then there are three simple, what I call, if and thens. The word is full of covenants between God and people. God always says to us, if my people, and you can add whatever verse to that you want. If my people will do this, then I will do this. Here's another one of those places, a simple place in Scripture where God is making a covenant with people. He's saying that if you would trust in me, then I would do this. Now, here's what's amazing about the Lord. It it works like this all the time. We always get more out of the covenant than he does. If my people will trust in me, and then he gives us us three promises, we trust and we get three things. All we got to do is trust and we get three things. And more than that, but just in this verse, right? It's always that kind of a deal with God. He asks us to give, but he always gives more. And he always blesses us and he always provides things for us. And so here's another example of his promises to us in return for so little requirement on our part. Simply says that whoever trusts in him is going to receive these three promises in return. Everyone who trusts in the Lord, number one, will not be shaken. That means they won't slip, they won't slide, they won't shake. Sounds like a dance, doesn't it? Those are words that are used there to describe what that means right there. Slip, slide, and shake. They won't slip, slide, or shake, but they will remain stable. Anyone who confides and has their confidence in God will be stable. Trust in the Lord at all times, and he will keep you from falling, is what this is saying. The second promise that he gives there is that everyone who Trust in the Lord will stand forever. 
This means they'll remain, they'll be settled, they'll be established. What a peace that it is to to be settled in Christ. Anybody that knows the Lord and walks with God, you know what that means that regardless of what comes around you or to you or against you, it is such a comfort and peace to be settled. No matter what happens, the wind's blowing, I'm settled. Storms are crashing, I'm settled. I'm set, I'm sure. This is the second promise. G.K. Chesterton said this years ago, he said, there are an infinite of an infinity of angles at which one falls, but only one at which one stands. I thought that was a pretty strong statement. And the third way or third promise. He says that those who trust in him will be protected. And he describes this one even more in detail. He says we'll be protected on every side like Jerusalem means he will surround you on every side. Even to the point that it says he would even protect you from wicked rulers in the next verse. Doesn't matter what happens or who's trying to rule it. Doesn't matter any of that, he says. He is promising to protect those who trust in him in every way. All right? Now, that's a pretty simple little message right there. And it doesn't get much deeper today. I'm just going to say straight up, it's not going to get a lot deeper. I just want to, I want to leave you with something to think about more than I want you to leave saying, wow, he said a lot. I'd rather say little and you remember it. So three promises based on one condition. We trust, and this is what we get, three things. But it, but it begs the question, if what I am saying is true, and we are not shaken, and we are stable, and we are protected, then we're confronted with that. If he's protecting us on every side, then how do bad things happen to us? Right? Pastor, if, if this is all true, then what's it talking about? How is, if he's protecting us, then how do these things happen? And here's what you need to understand. His protection is that of our well-being in every meaningful way. Did you hear that? Because he knows what's best for us, and he knows what is waiting for us both down the road here and in eternity. So just because something in this world may cause you pain or grief or hardship, that doesn't mean he has stopped protecting you. We don't want to hear that. But we have to hear that. Should I say it again? Just because something in this world may be causing you pain or grief or hardship, that doesn't mean that God has stopped protecting you. His promise is protection over the long haul. The soul, the spirit, the part of the mind that is redeemable. Those things in us that will never get old. That part of us that looks forward to heaven. That's never going to change and nothing on this planet can steal the joy that comes to a person who understands this. The person who reaches a place in their life where they say, I may feel sick from time to time. I may experience tragedy. I may go through very difficult hardships. But I haven't lost my joy. Because my joy wasn't based on circumstance. It was based on a knowing God is protecting me. I can't see it right now. I hurt. 
I can't see it right now, but God is protecting me. He's looking at this from a big picture. He's protecting me over the long haul. Nothing can separate us from his love and his protection. And I'm going to make a statement that you don't want to hear, but it's still true. At some point on this planet, we all come to an end. We weren't designed to live forever. We weren't, these bodies aren't made to make it to last forever. You look at your picture from 10 years ago. You say, wow, I don't feel like I look. Am I right? You say, I'm 21. I just got a 55, 54-year-old body. But I'm 21. In my mind, I'm still running and jumping. But these bodies, they weren't weren't made to last forever. These bodies were made to do exactly what they're doing. Sounds negative, don't mean it that way, but they were designed to start deteriorating from the minute that you got here. You you grow up, you're little and you start growing, and then I'm convinced that you start going back the other way. I don't think I'm as tall as I used to be. Everybody's getting taller than me these days. We're just not designed to be here forever. That doesn't mean he's left his post. His promises, he says, I protect your life, your soul, your future, your peace, your joy, your eternity. Nothing or no one can ever come against us in any way that would separate us from that love and that protection. Didn't say I'm going to protect you from ever having a broken leg. I'm going to protect you from ever having. He didn't say that. He said that no matter what happens to you. I'll be with you through it all, and on the other end of it, you won't even care. For all of our loved ones that have gone on before, no matter what sickness or what problem or strife or stress they had when they were here, they don't even remember it now. I'm going to illustrate this little message with a story that George Wood wrote in one of his recent publications. He is the... General superintendent of the Sims of God. So he's our boss. Wonderful man. I love the guy. But he related a story. It's an old story. But he related this in regards to Psalms 125. Because he he was writing a little, a little pamphlet on Psalms, the Psalms of the Ascent, which were the Psalms of when the, 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 the Jews, the journeyers were traveling up to Jerusalem and they would, they would write songs to sing as they were traveling. And this was, Psalm 125 was one of the songs that they sang as they were ascending to Mount Zion. And he tells a story about Anna Spafford and her four daughters who were standing on the deck of a French liner, November the 22nd, 1873, right around midnight, the Lockhearn, which was another vessel, struck the boat she was on, and it hit with such impact that it clawed a hole in the side of the vessel she was on 
30 feet long and 18 feet deep. From the time of impact to the sinking of the ship, this is how big the hole was. From the time that it was hit until it sank was 12 minutes. And in that shipwreck, 226 people died. And only 87 of them survived. Anna was a 31-year-old mother with four daughters. The youngest was two. The oldest was 11. She gathered her daughters together on the deck of that ship and immediately began to look for one of the lifeboats. She located one and began to race that way. They said panic just reigned. As you can imagine, people were panicking everywhere. And she raced for this particular lifeboat, but she hesitated when a thought crossed her mind. And it was this. Would I be willing to meet these people before the judgment bar of God if I and the girls were to take the seats of those who would never have another chance to hear the gospel? It stopped her long enough to think. And while she was standing there thinking, the main mast of the ship fell and landed on the lifeboat she was about to get in and killed everyone in that boat. The ship began to break up. The oldest daughter's name was Annie. She helped her mother support the little, the, the, the baby, two years old. Her name was Tanetta. And this baby had her arms wrapped around her mother's neck, was clinging to her. The second youngest name was Bessie. She was clutching to her mama's leg. And then Maggie, who was the second oldest, calmly stood beside her mother. And she said, don't be afraid. Mama, God will take care of us. And the oldest daughter added, don't be afraid. The sea is his and he made it. And then the water engulfed them. Anna Spafford's last memory was of her baby being violently torn from her arms by the force of the waters. She was knocked unconscious. But in the water, a plank from the ship sinking miraculously floated under Anna's body and propelled her to the surface of the water, at which point she received consciousness and was picked up out of the water by a lifeboat. But her daughters were gone. Her first reaction was complete despair. Then she felt a voice speak to her. You were spared for a purpose. And immediately she thought of the advice that a friend had given her recently. Advice that went like this. It's easy to be grateful and good when you have so much. But take care that you are not a fair weather friend to God. Nine days later, she reached Cardiff, Wales. She cabled back to her husband. He was a lawyer. He was living in Chicago. And she cabled back two words to her husband. And this was the first time he'd heard from her. And all he received was two words that said, Saved alone. Immediately he boarded a ship to go meet his wife in Europe. One night, out in the middle of those high seas, the captain called him to his private cabin. 
And he said, quote, a careful reckoning has been made. And I believe we are now passing the place where the liner was wrecked. The water here is three miles deep. In essence, he was saying, this is where we think your daughters are down below us. His name was Horatio Spafford. He went back to his cabin and on those high seas near the place where he knew his babies had died, he wrote the words that later a man named Philip Paul Bliss would set to music. And the words go something like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Sometimes we think falsely that Christian life should carry immunity with it. We think that because we're Christians that God is supposed to exempt us from shipwrecks and car wrecks and tornadoes and hurricanes and and earthquakes and cancer and a whole host of terrible things and illnesses that could fall upon us, believers and unbelievers. But God's promises in this text do not include exemptions from the hardships of life. What it does do is this. It says that when things happen, whether good or bad, we have the promises of this text. And here's what that means. Whatever shakes you up can't shake you apart. Whatever knocks against you can't knock you down. Whatever engulfs you cannot separate you from the protection of God that surrounds you. So we have a decision to make. We can never allow bad times to cause bad conduct. And we remember verse 2. It says, the Lord protects his people by holding them in his arms now and forever. Those babies on their way to the bottom of that sea were held in the arms of Jesus. And when they woke up in his arms again in a glorious place, which is where we have to learn to trust to put ourselves, there is no fear in perfect love perfect love cast out all fear that's how it works if you control it's the same as we go back to the money if you try to control the money if you try to control your time if you try to control your health if you try to control anything you're going to be utterly disappointed because you cannot get this done you can only have peace if you finally turn everything over to God and say I'm going to trust you because no matter what happens to me ultimately it's going to be well with my soul that's all that counts so we're left with his promise The Lord protects his people, verse 2, by holding them in his arms now and forever. Everyone who trusts in the Lord has his promises. You will not be shaken. You will stand forever. And you will forever be protected by the powerful arms of our eternal loving God. That's it. That's it. 
There's no bargaining of us to him. There's no place in the word where we find us writing covenants to him. Although you see people trying. Jacob, Lord, if you'll let me come back to this place, then God's like, well, that's cool. But I mean, whether you do or not, I'm going to do what I do. I mean, you can say, you can promise me whatever you want to promise me. Tell me whatever you want to promise me. Bottom line is until you submit to my will, you're not going to be happy in this life. You're not going to be fulfilled in this life. You're not going to be successful in this life. And you're going to die someday disappointed with this life. Not making bargains with God. God, if you'll do this, if you'll do that, then I will. God said, no, no, I will keep you, save you, heal you, protect you, love you. I will. And in turn, all you've got to do is one simple thing. Surrender everything to me. That's how people that you've known that were on their deathbed, terminally ill, had a peace that they knew Jesus. And you were like, man, they had such a peace. I mean, they were moments from death and had a smile on their face and had peace in their heart. How did they do that? It's well with my soul. It's well with my soul. Everyone who trusts in the Lord has these promises. The words that Horatio Spafford so beautifully wrote have impacted our lives hundreds of years. We'll always continue to do so until the Lord comes to get us. What a sacrifice he and his wife paid for them to have the depth in their soul to pen those words. Now, they're all together. Again, happy, blessed, at peace. But we are singing the words of that hymn as a means of encouragement. As a force of stability to help us get where they got. And so this morning, we're going to sing it. These altars are open. Those of you that are struggling, because you struggle with control, because you can't turn loose of health or money or, or family, or you, that doesn't make you a bad person, doesn't even make you a sinner. Certainly doesn't mean you're going to hell. It means nothing like that. It simply means that there's some area, more or one, more or less areas of your life that you just got to give to Jesus. Because until you do, you're just going to struggle. So I want you to find yourself a place around these altars today. And I want you to say, Holy Spirit, where am I hanging on? What do I need to turn loose of? Some of you, it might be your very soul. your heart to Jesus. you got to start there before you can give him anything else. Whatever that may be, these altars are open. Come and find yourself a place. Come and submit your life, your things, your hopes, and your dreams to the will of God. Can we do it? Come on.